What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here connecting with incredible people who have unbelievable stories to tell. Today's guest, this one I was super excited for. Liza Banks Campagna is joining today's show to talk about two things that really have a conflict of interest, hence the title of today's show. She is combining a sustainable vintage market with a stand-up comedy show. That's right. When I reached out to Liza Banks, I was kind of surprised. I never thought you could combine these two things. I didn't know these two things would mesh well, but lo and behold, Liza Banks has done it. She's doing this all while playing collegiate lacrosse at Georgetown University. So obviously, I had to have an interview with this superstar of a woman. So Liza Banks comes on today's show to talk all about her story, all about the upcoming uh, Sustainable Laughs show that she is hosting on December 4th in Alexandria, Virginia, in the Georgetown area. If you're in that area, I definitely recommend that you guys go check it out. And believe me, you're going to want to right after you hear this interview. So without further ado, here is the one and only and amazing Liza Banks Campania. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we have the one and only Liza Banks Campania. I know I say that a lot on the show, the one and only, but I mean what I say. Our guest is the first person that I've ever gotten the chance to meet that has brought the world of sustainability and comedy together. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, when this rock star woman is not playing lacrosse for the Georgetown Hoyas, she is the founder and organizer of Sustainable Laughs, a pop-up vintage market and comedy show in the greater DC area. She joins the show today. Liza Banks, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Thank you so much. That was such a cool intro. I feel (laughs) so cool being connected to, those are my two favorite things, like sustainability and comedy and vintage stuff so that's that's a really cool way to be introduced yeah i I, when i when i saw the two kind of come together i was like i have to get her on the show like i've never seen this before so i'm excited to have this conversation because i think it's an interesting one it's definitely a new concept it's like it's like pretty new i just kind of started it in the fall and now i'm about to do my second one in two weeks Mm -hmm. um but it did go really well and there are some fun like overlapping concepts between like comedy and like vintage reselling and I thought it'd be fun to like bring the two together and so far it's been really fun it's so much work to plan an event I did learn that I have a, so much work utmost respect for event planners because it's so much work but um yeah it's been really fun and it's been really fun the most fun part has been like booking like comedians that mm. I like really like who I like mm. want to uplift and support and then also like booking like vintage sellers who I don't know as well but like finding people in those communities like whether it's like someone who's like a smaller vendor or like a woman-owned business like having that ability to like support those kinds of people is really the most fun part for me so far yeah i I, going back to your comment about event planning like all those clubs that like planned events in college i was like i always wanted to be in them and then like now like if i've tried to host events or something i'm like i don't know how they did it yeah it's a lot it's definitely a lot and the comedy part of it like i don't know why because comedy shows have such a specific way they need to go and they can be so bad or they can be so good but there has to be like there's so many elements to it and then I was like, let me just do that on top of having a vintage market. And it's like, 
like and and like the worst fear is because I know how comedy shows can go awry Mm -hmm. I was like I don't want this to be a bad vibe like I was so worried that it was gonna like go poorly or be like just not not come across right or something so I was just trying to cultivate a vibe and I was like oh my god this is like very specific niche like you gotta find you gotta play the music at the right volume and like have like the chairs like there's just so many things to think about it's kind of a nightmare (laughs) kind of a night but also amazing Um, also amazing so we're gonna get into all of that I do want to start at the beginning as Mm -hmm. I like to say on this show every story has a beginning so we're gonna start with yours you grew up in the beautiful town of Alexandria Virginia also the home place of my favorite sports movie of all time remember Remember the Titans Titans. okay sweet awesome I was like please get this reference (laughs) oh 100% my dad went to TC okay well it's not called TC Williams anymore I just oh, found that out today what? when I was when I was preparing for this. No, yeah. what? Yeah, oh this is news. Well, to I me. could this be wrong. Like my okay, hometown. Well, okay, now, okay, quick, quick Google side here. I have to Google. I'm pretty this. sure it's called like Alexandria. You could totally be right. That would definitely be something that Alexandria, Virginia, would do. But it would just like, be. It's called like Alexandria oh Public oh, Schools or something like that. Yeah, Alexandria City High School. Yeah. Wait, that's so weird. Why? Oh, what? How dare they? This happened like in April. Alexandria City High School chosen as replacement name for TC Williams. Oh my God, that's crazy. Wow. April of this year? Breaking yeah. news. Breaking news to Breaking every, news. every fan of Remember the Titans. It's not. Yeah. The, and they're I not even like, the Titans anymore. They're like the Knights or something. Stop. Oh my God. Is that what I saw? Or it could I be, don't know. That, I'm, that I don't want to get too wrong. much into this movie. It literally mentions the movie. TC okay. Williams is, is the largest high school in Virginia, is known around the world for the 2000 movie Remember the Titans. Dang, that's so crazy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to like, it still looks like they're still the Titans. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. But okay. it is a, it is a big, yeah. The TC Williams is, I, I love that. I love that school. And like, I went to public school up to eighth grade and then I went to private high school, like right across the street from TC. Uh, okay. Okay. And I was like, oh, I went to private school. And it was like, I, I feel in my heart that I'm a public school kid, even though I currently go to private school now. And, but I did go to public school for college, but anyway. yes. Yeah, Alexander, Virginia, T.C. Williams. It's a it's a pillar in the community. I sure. love it. I love it. So what was life like in the Campania household? Like growing up, you have a younger sister. Yeah. You know, mom, dad, what was life like? Um. Oh my gosh, you did such well, like research, really. I try. I really oh try. Gosh. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I definitely like don't have like a Wikipedia page or anything like that. I'm like, wait, how do you know my sister? Um, she's all Cal I, Woman's I, Lax does a okay. very good job. Cal Woman's okay, Lax. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> growing up I grew up in old town Alexandria which is like the really cute historic part of Alexandria which is like Mm. really fun and looking back I was like oh my god that's such a cool place that I got to grow up so I was in a city um and that was like a big part of kind of my later life of being like oh I love being in a city like choosing where to go to college and stuff right um my mom works in DC she's a lobbyist um badass lobbyist (laughs) woman um she's like a food lobbyist so not one of the controversial ones and she's like (laughs) really impressive and like has had a really cool career where she like she moved here from Alabama yeah southern name um and she just sort of like climbed her way to the top really I mean she started as a scheduler in someone's office on the hill and now she's like working at one of the top firms so um she's really cool she's like my my idol and so is my dad honestly too then my dad is a commercial real estate broker in Alexandria so I've always said like I kind of have like the federal, like the big government woman. And then I have my dad who's like the small business, like local type, mm-hmm. which made for a really cool combination of things. Um, my parents are very fashionable and very like 
just the coolest people I know. I like love my parents. I'm obsessed with my parents. They're not athletes really. I, they kind of are now weirdly, but growing up, like my mom didn't really get the chance to play sports as much. So yeah. she signed me up for everything. Okay. And I loved doing everything. Cause I yeah. had a lot of energy and I had like a lot of just wanting to try it all. And she wanted me to try it all. So she signed me up for a lot of things you know, you name it, I tried it. And I was playing basketball, soccer, and lacrosse for most of my life, like just constantly in a cycle of like, when is the next game? When is the next season? <laughs> yeah. Um, threw in like, I skateboarded. I was like fencing, like random Heck things like yeah. that too. Whoa, like, yeah, okay. like, no, I know. Like my literally, like if there was something that I wanted to try or if my mom saw an advertisement for, like I tried it. Um, and then, yeah. And then I went to boarding school in high school. Um, Where'd you go to boarding school? Uh, Episcopal High School. It's actually in Alexandria. Okay, so, so you didn't go weird... away for boarding school. No, but okay, I did okay. board there because right. it's 100% boarding. Right, right. But a lot so, of times I feel like people like, they, when they away. say I went to boarding school, they're like, I went to boarding school yeah. in Kansas. And I'm right. like, or like okay. in like the Northeast somewhere. Yeah. Right. Right. But it was so, it was a kind of nice stepping stone because like, I didn't see my parents every day, but I would yeah. see them like once a week, maybe, mm-hmm. or they would come to all my games. So I would see them almost like twice a week if I had, you know, two games a week. Um, and then, yeah, had a, had a little sister who's like my best bud. Um, we weren't best buds growing up. We kind of fought a lot. It's never we were the very case. Close. Yeah. Yeah. We're cl- we were close in age. But then once I went to boarding school, that's kind of when we became really close, actually, mm-hmm. when I was like in high school. Started doing comedy kind of around the time I went to high school. Um, but yeah, really, really fun household. Definitely yeah, it like sounds like it. Busy dogs growing up I have two dogs now grew awesome up, always grew up with dogs yeah are you a pet person do you have any pets I don't in my Boston apartment it's only the okay. size of like a shoebox so okay. I would hate to have to put a dog through here it's yeah. so funny you say that though like my like during COVID my girlfriend mm-hmm. was like when are we getting a dog when are we getting a dog and they're like, we yeah. don't even live together so <laughs> no yeah. But also, like, like what, what are you going to do when yeah. you go back to the office? Like, I just wasn't ready. Yeah. No, that. you have to be, like, ready to take on a dog. But, like, growing up, did you have any pets? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I grew okay. up with a lot of Cocker Spaniels. I okay, had cool. my first one as a kid, and then my mom brought two. And then, mm-hmm. and so I've had three. And then wow. I went to, I like, when they passed, I went, like, all through high school, no dog, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, a cat yeah who, who cares Ugh, I, mean, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm not really a cat person sorry neither am I my boyfriend got a cat that's funny when you're like my girlfriend wanted to get a dog my, my boyfriend just got a cat so those are so much discussion. easier though like you could, like, they are they'll just roam you know yeah Anyways. and his cat's cool it's the only <laughs> yeah. cat that I like his okay cat's cool, obviously yeah. that's always how it is but yeah. but then right after I started my freshman year at Providence I my dad texted me like a, just like a no subject email and it was like see attached <laughs> no like, what i'm like dad first of all did it you get hacked <laughs> it's a picture of a puppy a dog. of a little tiny oh. yellow lab and it oh was like God. we're picking him up tomorrow and i'm three thousand miles away and i'm like oh i'm not gonna see this puppy for another like it was like october oh, or man. early november and i wasn't oh, gonna come home till thanksgiving sad. but oh my gosh when i got home so cute Anyways, oh Lucky is now six and he's nice. thriving. He's doing great. Yeah. Awesome. Just saw we him a couple weeks ago. But we yeah. love a good empty nester dog. Oh, I knew that. Like my mom had to be driving my mom or my dad crazy. Yeah. You know, like, my, was like, yeah. I'm getting this dog. And I know. Yeah. My mom, like my, we have two dogs now. Um, And my mom's dog, the dog that she adopted is named Birdie. 
because uh, my sister left and she was like an empty nester and literally Birdie. that's why I heard her name is Birdie. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So I got to ask, I mean, when you were playing lacrosse at boarding school and, mm-hmm. and like probably getting recruited everywhere, why Cal? What made you go all the way out West to Berkeley? Um, so I, my recruiting process was interesting because I was at boarding school. So my freshman year, I didn't really participate in like club lacrosse or like recruiting stuff because right. I was like at boarding school and I actually didn't really know I wanted to play like college lacrosse until the spring of my freshman year, um, which is sort of late to decide or it was at the time at least. That seems because like that seems early to me. Like yeah, I kids they changed okay. the recruiting rule, but it used to be that like kids would get like a lot of like division one lacrosse schools would have commits as early as fall of sophomore year so the summer going into your freshman year was like or summer going into your sophomore year after your freshman year is like really important so I wasn't on I know it's crazy it's so much better now I can't believe that like that's allowed because like as a 15 16 year old you're making a decision that's going to impact the, the like, rest of your life. a big deal but like yeah like, no it's a uh, huge it, deal it is like yeah if you don't play if you yeah. don't like the school then you're the transfer portal like yeah like I didn't know how to drive a car at 15 I know alone make it's a college insane. decision yeah there's so much to it and like there's also I think even like I feel kind of lucky because I definitely made the right decision but like I don't even think kids at that age like understand or even like it's hard to fathom at that age, like what you're committing to, like how, what your life is going to be like, like it's Mm -hmm. difficult to really wrap your mind around. And like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of like backlash from that rule. And like, I think in the last year or two, like just people not being happy at the places they are and leaving, like that's happened so much all over the place, really in college, but especially I think in college sports where people are like, oh, I actually like don't like it here when there's no sports because you like find out that there's no sport like you know what I mean so absolutely um but yeah so I was so then I sophomore year I joined a club team that I actually coach for now and I love um capital lacrosse club best club in the area um (laughs) (laughs) I don't know no one from that club will listen but um so then I joined them and I wanted and I like made a list of my high school coach who I like my two high school coaches I was really close with and they helped me make a list And I had like kind of a list of schools that I liked and also a list of things that I liked. Like I wanted a school in a city. I wanted a really big sports school. I wanted a division one. I wanted like academics. It was kind of like an all encompassing list. Like what your wish list. Yeah. School that had better academics than I could get into like really good, you know, high academics, whatever Um, film major, like random things like that. So um, then I looked at a bunch of schools, actually looked at Georgetown, which is funny right down the um, street from now. Alexandria right it's yes sorta? and okay. it was like my dream school when I was a kid yeah right yeah. down the street and I was like as a kid it was the first school I've ever like heard of like kind of like your local university because there's no like it's just DC yeah um and I thought it was so cool and I like wanted to go here and then in high school I kind of realized like I mean I got recruited and I was like oh my gosh am I gonna go to where I thought I was gonna go when I was a kid and then it, <laughs> it kind of didn't work out but yeah definitely for the best and then Cal uh, I started getting recruited to Cal I'd never been to California before in my life Okay. So I went on a visit and I was like, oh my God, this is insane. I was like, oh my, I was just in awe the whole time. And one of my really good friends from boarding school, Gordon Faust, um, he's like the reason I went to Cal. I, maybe I'll send this to him, but um, he lived in Piedmont, which was like right down the street from Berkeley. And 
he like took me around Cal like Berkeley yeah. the night before I had my like official visit sure. and like showed me all the cool places and like showed me the insane views that the Bay Area has like we watched the sunset and I had never seen anything like it in my life like I and it was it was in like July of us it was in a in the summer obviously and it was so clear right. and the sun was setting on the Bay Area and you could see past the Golden Gate Bridge and he kept trying to tell me like how rare that was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but now knowing having lived there, like the fog, obviously, yeah, and it's summer say, too. Like yeah, 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 it was yeah. just one of those serendipity moments. So I got the offer and I went home and I was like, I need to relax because mm-hmm. like, I know that I just like went to California and fell in love, but like, right. you know, it's really expensive. The offer wasn't as big as some other offers that I had. And so I financially, I was like, ugh, it's not the right decision. Like, I'll just go to the school that offered me the most money, which I did really like that school. But um, I sat down and then I was like, I told my parents, I was like, we need to sit down and have a conversation. I kept saying that. And like, we planned a whole day. And I sat down and they were like, and I was like, so what do you guys think? And they were like, what do we think? Like, you know where you're going to go. Like, you yeah. obviously have to go to Berkeley. Like, it just, it really was, it really fit because it was mm-hmm. everything that I wanted um and I and also like there was I really connected with the coaches like I love the coaches I like their philosophy you know, they told me on like building a program not just being easy not just being an established program coming in like really trying to grow the game on the west coast all this stuff that I was just really um stoked on and like excited to be a part of because I kind of like that underdog of like you're not necessarily the, like best you might have been overlooked right. but like you have the opportunity to like you know do something bigger than yourself so yeah. And then they were like, you have to go there. So I was like, oh, fine. <laughs> Twist my arm. I, and I, I, I just want to say, I love the, I love that story because it's mm-hmm. very similar to mine in that, like I yeah. was getting recruited by two schools that I really wanted yeah. to go to or go visit and mm-hmm. Providence didn't give me the most money, but yeah. it just seemed like the best fit. And yeah. like you just vice versa, I went from West coast to East coast. And I think like if that's my one piece of advice to college Anyone. students or college athletes or like upcoming college athletes, like try it. Like, tr- like, yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing to just try, try to like, say like, Oh, just go to the other coast. But like, I think just seeing something really so cool. different is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I didn't know you're from California. We're in California. Uh, Orange County. So, so cal- not oh, okay, County, cool. Yeah, okay, so cal- yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's from Orange County. Everyone, everyone's everyone. from Orange County. Everyone from Berkeley, from Georgetown, they all are from Orange County. No, yeah, no, everyone from Berkeley is from Orange County, though. Somebody, they're all kind of from from Orange County or LA. They'll be like, I'm from LA. And they're like, where are you really from? And they're like, Laguna Beach. Yeah, or like Newport <laughs> or something. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I always just said, like, because like people from Providence isn't like that. It's very New Englandy um, uh, and like New York, New Jersey students. So I, I would just say I'm halfway between or, um, LA and San Diego. And that's how you okay. describe Orange County. So yeah, it's pretty you know, good. Yeah. yeah. And then they'd be like, can't oh. say I've spent a lot of time in Orange County, but been there like once. Maybe. So have you, have you gone down the coast? Yeah. I mean, I've been to US, we played USC all the time. And then I think I only, I only been to LA once. I think I've only been, I've been to San Diego a couple of times, okay. but I went to LA on a trip when I was in San Diego. Like I went up to LA and we like went to the USC Cal game my sophomore year, but I think that's the only time I've ever been in LA, not on a lacrosse travel right. trip. Right, right, right. So. so what's the biggest difference between NorCal and Alexandria, Virginia? Oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. I kind of associate myself more as being from DC, even though I'm from Alexandria. Okay. I was born in DC yeah. and I've spent a lot of time in DC, sure. so I'm just gonna say DC. Sure. I think 
Um, there's a little bit, there's like weirdly less and more pretentiousness in each place in different ways. DC is much more of like a, what do you do for a living place? And Mm -hmm. Berkeley is like a kind of a place where it's like, what book are you wearing? What, or like not book are you wearing, but book are you reading? What book are you reading? Like, what are you wearing? Kind of not like, what are you wearing? Like brand, but like more just like people are kind of checking out your vibe before they're checking out. And then in DC, they're checking out like your professional experience, like how your resume is going to help their resume or something. I don't know. There's like, no, I think you nailed that. I think you yeah, nailed I think that. That's the biggest difference. I, mean, I don't know. Berkeley is like a Northern California is chill. It's very, I, I like the vibe a lot. It there. is chill. If you get up to like San Francisco, it's like, what have you built? Like, yeah. like what's your product? There is uh, like also this unassuming there is like in DC, it doesn't feel like everyone has money. And in San right. Francisco and even in Northern California, like you just go to Marin, you're like, oh, everyone here has like new money, like yeah. new money that they yeah. just got that now yeah. they're just like, whatever. And it's kind of crazy. And DC's old money. I mean, like DC really is old, old money. money. I, yeah. It's like, do you, how close are you? I mean, like Georgetown's pretty close, but how close are you to the Hay Adams? Um, the hotel. The hotel. I think yeah. it's, um, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know where the Hay Adams is. I think it's, it's right across the street from the White House. I'm now I'm embarrassed for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I actually associate the fancy hotel as more of the Ritz Carlton in Georgetown. That's where a lot of celebrities say. Oh, you're you're like if my dad's listening to this, you're he's gonna be pissed. My parents what? my family used to own the, the Hay Adams. So Oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> you I, like, I was like, I was like, uh well the like, Hay Adams is probably where like politicians stay. It's and, like, a very historic, like okay, yeah. old old money. Old, old money, money yeah. hotel like the older celebrities <laughs> the older celebrities like when the there's old- like the because the rich carlton is really close to like uh the kennedy center yeah so right. it's like really where all the like like when um i forget whatever the gala is that they do that's like huge or like the mark twain award and stuff yeah like people always stay there and i'm but not the discounting hey, the, the the rich carlton like let's be honest it's the yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> I was like, hey, Adams. I, I mean, I'm familiar with my mom's also going to be mad at me for not knowing that, but <laughs> I can't say that like the hey, Adams, I'm close, but like yeah. no one like the where the White House is isn't really where like things go on. But when I drive home, a lot of times I drive by the White House and okay. on my way to like go down K Street. But and I'm always like Joe Biden's in there. It's crazy. <laughs> I actually got into or I didn't get into a car accident, but um, this summer I was driving and there was a car accident, like right next to me, like literally, like I was like, Joe Biden heard that crash. Oh my God. He was so close to the white house. And I was like really late at night. And I was just giving my friend a ride home from comedy. And I see drunk drivers like all the time. And it yeah. freaks me out. Cause it's yeah. like midnight in DC yeah. and like on a Saturday night and this car comes in behind it. And like they, there was like a wreck and it was like, we were just sitting in a red light, like, and this car comes in and crashes to the car to the right of us. And I'm not kidding, like 20 cars lit up that were just unmarked because it was literally right next to the White House. So like everything like lit up and I was oh, like, yeah. ah, like a Christmas and I drove away. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> anyone's oh, looking for me. I mean, I didn't hit anybody, so it was fine. But it was crazy. I love that. I love that. Okay, so double major, poli sci and film. Now yeah. I see the vision now that we're talking today and like I kind of get where you're where you were going here. Mm-hmm. But as a freshman, sophomore, whenever you chose the double major, uh-huh. is that like a popular double is your was your advisor <laughs> like oh yeah I get it um no I mean I think so I like a lot of film majors at Berkeley would double major because I mean the film major at Berkeley is awesome it's not right. like crazy demanding and like if you're a Berkeley student you're probably like I don't know wanting to be challenged but um 
Yeah. I kind of wanted, I kind of was like, okay, I like really like this film stuff, but it was a lot of theory. And I was like, mm, not sure what the professional application of a lot of this information is. And like, I found myself as someone who just left DC, I was really interested in like everything that was going on in DC and like what my mom does. And like, just, I constantly am reading news, which whether that's good or bad, you know, <laughs> one, there, there's an argument on both sides. Both but, sides, yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I should learn about this. And I actually like the field of political science is amazing. I'm, I'm like a huge nerd for poli sci now and like Hobbes and like, just <laughs> any, not really political theory, but um, so yeah, um, not super popular, but my friend on the team also did do it actually. My friend, Nikki Zaccaro, who's still at Cal, mm -hmm. she was a double major in that political science and film too. So I did have a teammate doing it with me. Okay. And I was a part of a class of people at Cal who are like some of the most driven, academically accomplished people I know. And so that we were all pretty like academically and like ambitious. Like my roommate, Marissa, was a public policy minor, media studies major and got a graphic design certificate. Um, my other friend, my best friend, Marina Smith, she was a, in the business school, which you have to like apply to get into and be like a genius yeah, yeah. and was also a legal studies major. Um, my other best friend, Joanna was also in the business school and her minor was, I think I'm going to like butcher it, but like food economy or something, food I've systems maybe or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. And I'm now I'm not doing it right. But like, and like, there's, so I just like, I was just with the people who were like, yeah, we we're just like girl bosses I mean I, hate that I, <laughs> I said love that, that but like we're just gonna like we're just smart and we try hard at school and so I kind of was inspired by them and also just wanted to wanted to take more poli sci classes and I was like can I do this can I do both of these things they don't charge you twice for two degrees right. they so. don't charge you twice for two degrees that's a good point I just you feel know? like you have to turn off I don't know correct me if I'm wrong but you might have to turn off the poli sci switch when you walk into a film class and <sighs> vice versa or are you like Yes, let's bring Hobbes mm, into this film I, class. <laughs> a film is very political. Like, right. not so oh, much. There's, 100%. A, there's yeah. not a ton of, maybe not so much film in political science. Right. But there is a lot of politics in the film classes at Berkeley. Like, and and that's kind of also what drove, drove, like, drove me to graduate school is because, like, of what I was learning about within both. That I was like, there's something, there's like a crossover here. Yeah. Of like... And it wasn't necessarily content, but like you could just make connections. One of my professors that I had who I loved, who I like never emailed and was like, I loved you, but I think she knows. Um, but she, Marianne Doan, she wrote this piece on uh, like catastrophe in 9-11 and like news coverage. And like, it kind of changed like the trajectory of my academic career. Like I read it and I was like, oh my God, like it was just, it blew my mind. Um, and I think about it all the time. And so, yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of political nature in film i mean right. zapruder film i mean i mean like anything and there's a right. lot of like avant you studied avant-garde and like queer theory and stuff like that so like that's political in a way sure. you know absolutely but not so much uh poli sci or no wait sorry film and poli sci film and poli sci yeah not necessarily i mean it, it's also poli sci is i don't know yeah there's not a lot of crossover there's definitely like media in poli right. sci like like social media and stuff that like it's almost like you skipped the era that like 
film would be important in politics because you go from like learning the basics to like, oh my God, where we are now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. not film, but like social media and like digital right. news and like 24 hour news cycles. And that's not really film, but. No, it, uh, it's becoming I mean, it's theater. Pictures. It's becoming quite theater. In, yeah, no, like, there's, defi- there's definitely crossover. I would say yeah. less so film into poli sci, but no, there's right. definitely crossover in both. Like you'd be surprised. Totally, absolutely. So, so real quick sidebar. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I did my research. You, you climbed Grand Teton, which I think is, freaking sweet uh can you tell us that story before we jump into comedy here yes okay so my high school that I went to Episcopal high school um which is like one of my favorite places on earth um there's an alumni John Townsend who sponsors a trip to Jackson Hole every Mm -hmm. summer for like 12 students you have to like apply and it's like free and you just get to you have to pay for like your airfare sure that's it sure but you get a trip a guided trip and it's like a month and it's like it's based in jackson right and it ends it it culminates in you climbing the grand so that's how i got to climb the grand and like that was oh my god talk about a change the trajectory of my life trip like that was i like i because i've now driven across the country twice and wow okay yeah those trips like were inspired by like my like first because I didn't really do a lot of hiking and stuff when I was like a kid I mean I did some like my parents mm. are like semi-outdoorsy but like grew up in a city right so it was the first time I got to experience like the wilderness for like a month and it was amazing and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool so I've been and that kind of was my first taste of out the west too mm-hmm. right. I'd never been that far west and then or I'd never been I went to California and then that the summer I did that I was committed but I was like oh my gosh the west is cool like, yeah this is really totally. fun out here totally so yeah that was that was really fun yeah climbing the grand super super cool not not that challenging if I remember correctly I might have just been 17 years old but <laughs> no um, fear you're just like whatever you're like yeah, whatever the, happens it happens the, the mountain guy that took us the exum is like the name of the company and like they were like super like just knew their stuff and like yeah. super safe and you'd hope so i mean you, yeah. if you're doing something like that you hope your guide knows what yeah <laughs> i think they're like world renowned though like yeah. i think exam guides are like I've, some of yeah. the best in the world um so it was just really cool to like and like we didn't the exam guides were just with us on the trip the part that we just climbed the grand but you like sure. go to like, like climbing school for like three days and like learn how to tie knots and stuff and then you <sighs> climb up to the um the saddle and you like stay the night and get up at three in the morning and like have your headlamp on and like oh start climbing gosh. at like four and you summit and the sun's rising and it's like 7 a.m and then you have to go all the way back down the saddle and then all the way back down I can't remember how long the hike was but it's like like kind of a long hike like I want to yeah. say like 10 to 13 miles down where it's like you have to do you have to go to the, you have to go up to the top and all the way down in the same day oh god so that was kind of gnarly kind of gnarly I tasted pizza so good after that <laughs> I bet I bet in the so altitude good. too you're like Ooh, it's like it's like breathing through a coffee straw yeah I know I've never been like super I think I can't remember the altitude being that bad I've I we played boulder all the time at Berkeley and I never was, I was like gonna... altitude was not like I don't I don't maybe I just don't maybe again I was just 17 and I just had <laughs> the lungs of a rock star but <laughs> like I was just tired humble brag but humble brag I guess no I guess that is altitude though or maybe I was just hydrated no I definitely yeah. was more tired from the altitude there you go That's there you go was. you don't think yeah. you were but you were there I you definitely go. was I'm definitely <laughs> saying that and I was definitely like heaving but this was just like six years ago so I'm like I don't know it's fine I love that it wasn't I, and it was so you fine. so you've done cross country twice did you go one way did you go like up north the first way and down yeah. south the next I went the south way on the way to Berkeley I went in August of 2020 I was like didn't really want to fly because I was just nervous I don't know 
And then yeah. I was like, cause it was August, but I um, want to go back to school of yeah. 2020. And so okay. I was like, I want to go back to school. I've also been sitting in my house for six months. Get me out of here. Yeah. Let me plan this cross country road trip. And it was kind of like a dream trip. And I was like, am I going to do this? And I like kind of planned it all myself and didn't really know if I'd pull it off. And I pulled it off. And this, mm-hmm. that was really fun going the mm-hmm. Southern route. Mm-hmm. And then this summer or this past summer, I went back. I was like, I want to do it again, obviously. <laughs> obviously. And doing it, obviously, like where you're like moving or like you're going to end somewhere is like optimal. Like that's kind of what you want. So I was right. like, when am I going to get the opportunity to do it again? That was a crazy trip too. That was super fun. It was, I had to like really pull a lot of things off to get it to happen, but mm-hmm. um, I made it happen. And we there went to Northern Roop. A little bit more rushed. The last, the first one, it was like two weeks. Okay, so you so took I got to like really yeah. take our time, and then the s- second one was just we had to get to a wedding. My boyfriend and I, like, my boyfriend flew to California, and then we were getting to a wedding in that in Ithaca, New York. Ooh. Um, like in a week, <laughs> yeah. so we were like slow, like making our way, but it was really fun. And then we like yeah. drove home, and Ithaca is actually only like four hours from Virginia. So. Oh, that's not bad. No, it was. If you're like driving cross country, you're like that's the easiest. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say, it was literally like the easiest part. <laughs> I love that. So, that's so funny. yeah, it was so, so much fun though. I love that. We're going to take a quick pause from this week's interview to talk about our friends over at Beam. Guys, Beam Supplements is where it's at. That's right. Beam is partnering with Normal Guy Lazy Eye to bring you guys the best of the best when it comes to nutritious supplements. I'm talking about things like whey protein, isolate, collagen, recovery aminos, super greens, pre-workout, you name it. They've got it. Not only that, they have unbelievable flavors. I'm talking about watermelon candy, mango, lime, even in the super greens. You got citrus, matcha, chocolate, berry. And my favorite is the whey protein. They have a vanilla soft serve. One thing I want to say, I know like vanilla protein powders get a bad rap. First of all, vanilla gets a bad rap out of all of the flavors. But vanilla protein powders specifically get that kind of chalky flavor. This what they call it vanilla soft serve for a reason, guys. These these guys nailed the the flavor profile. Anyways, if you want to go check it out, head over to youcanbeam.com. I'm gonna get you guys 10% off at checkout when you use the code Jared, J-E-R-O-D. Again, 10% off at checkout when you use the code Jared at youcanbeam.com. Guys, go check them out. Use them for your next workout. Use them for your next day. Use them for your next recovery. I promise you, you're not going to regret it. Now back to the interview. So let's all let's talk a little bit about comedy here. Okay. Uh, when was it that you really first fell in love with comedy? So I fell in love with comedy. I'd say when I was like 12. When I was like really wow. I know, I know, crazy. So and who I were was... the people that you were like liking and in, in, at 12 like at 12 I really liked I love Amy Schumer I think Amy okay. Schumer is so funny that was right before her show came out and I can't remember what the name of her album was but loved Amy Schumer I love like I think I loved Louis C.K. now mm-hmm. I'm kind of like eh, Louis yeah, C.K. Right. is kind of the worst but like his comedy <laughs> is phenomenal um and there's nothing he can do to take that away so no undeniable right yeah. yeah um so he was definitely like the first person I heard that was like oh my god I want to do this mm-hmm. what he's doing because it's so yeah. funny and clever um Aziz Ansari Jim Gaffigan Kevin Hart like kind of like those guys and then I kind of got into like more subculture of it boys like uh I mean John Mulaney Mark Normand uh Rachel Feinstein is a really good girl comedian who I, I don't know I just said that girl comedian um but she was just one of the early ones I really liked um 
but yeah, tons, tons of names. Um, and then my mom got really mad at me that I was like really into comedy. That was clearly explicit. She changed our <laughs> Apple password to like Christian values, which was hilarious. Like I'm pretty sure like if anyone wants to hack into my Southern Apple mom account, thing. Christian I've values. Ever heard in my life. <laughs> She's so mad. She's like, what are these explicit comedy albums? So got really into it. I loved SNL too. I was yeah. a big SNL girl. 30 Rock, like love 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to be a writer because I was like, oh, that looks so fun. So I kind of researched and was like, oh, all these writers are stand-ups. And then I, this is so like weird to think about how this is like why, I, like what I like justified starting as. But I started because I was like, oh, I want to try stand-up because I want to like learn how to write jokes. Right. And, like oh, that's how they do. And I should just get a head start. And then I just yeah. ended up falling in love with stand-up and now I'm like and I mean I still would like to write jokes but I was like oh no I just like doing stand-up like, but, you, but you're still writing your own jokes for the stand-up oh, yeah yeah so yeah. You're, you're getting there you're getting yeah there. yeah yeah and I mean but when I first started I was like I want to write like scripts or I want to write like yeah, tv like shows which I do still sketches. but is less of a focus now than like when I was 13 which that's fine things change <laughs> I hope so <laughs> yeah I know right oh my god but the, it's so funny like I I was kind of the same I I don't do stand-up but I do have a love for comedy mm-hmm. I loved watching um Jim Gaffigan and Louis C.K. when yeah when I was younger I just remember like the person that babysat me when I was like 12 13 14 and the only reason why i had a babysitter was because my parents would leave me for long periods of time love them to death but i couldn't drive anywhere (laughs) so they would he would come over and like like house sit us basically but he would throw on like comedy central and whoever was just having that hour special like back when like comedy central was like all the time an hour special you know like now it's just like i i love some of the shows but like i kind of wish they would go back to just showing more hour-long specials yeah Yeah. but it would be like louis ck and then i'll never forget the one that I cracked up so much about was Pete Holmes. His, oh my gosh. The album was Nice Try the Devil. Oh my and gosh. Like, one of the best albums. I love Pete Holmes. His he, podcast is so good. Do you listen to his podcast? Yes, yes. You, you made, made it, it weird. weird. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, but I just remember being like, that guy's funny as so heck. Funny. Like yeah. it's like the going back to Christian values, like his his like whole story is so it's crazy. 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 Yeah crazy so i was like this is this is like this guy gets it and yeah. his his newer one uh like faces and sounds i don't know if you've seen that one but it's i think it, i've also listened to that one i love yeah oh my gosh i forgot about that album yeah pete holmes is so funny so he good. has like some bits like his bit where i used to like show people the bit where he like you know the one where he's like this is an impression of like oh, a guy oh, a on friend, the soccer a, team yeah yeah, yes. yeah it's one, so funny and we, we we're one, not one, gonna, one. yes and like <laughs> It's like, we can't do it justice. Like we can't recreate it, but it's, if no. anyone's listening to this, like, listen, go to Pete Holmes. Um, Honestly, if you called? YouTube Pete Holmes, it'll probably be like one of the first bits. Yeah. It's so funny. You have to be in the right mood for it, but it's so funny. It's the like, serotonin bo- boost you need right now in this dark, he, he, dark he, age. He, he, he calls it out perfectly. He's like, if you don't laugh at your, if you don't laugh at that in the shower tomorrow, you're dead inside. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But oh the God, first, yeah, the, the bit that I always used to send people was, and again, a, a problematic one here, but the first, the, well, I guess, but like Chris D'Elia's, uh Drunk Girls, that was like, oh really, yeah, really like, I just, I don't know, the acting in that was like really funny to me. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of perfect, but anyways. Yeah, Chris D'Elia, <laughs> I like don't like Chris D'Elia, which fair. I don't really have any reason to not like, well, no, I do fair. now. But like, right, I will yes. say that I had a joke. I don't know if I ever like, I wrote the joke, but I don't know if I ever like told it, but I was like, 
I'm so glad that Chris Chris is canceled because now I can like stop pretending that I like him for cute boys that I like. Like, because I'll tell guys like, oh, I do stand up, and they'll be like, oh my god, I love Chris Lee. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, so funny. And then now I'm like, yeah, screw Chris D'Elia. Like, I don't like I don't have to I love pretend that. like I mean he's fine. He's he's kind of funny, but I'm glad he's canceled. He always seemed like a creep. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, fair, fair. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, fair. So can yeah. you can you take us through your first open mic experience? How old were you and what uh, was and how was it? <laughs> um, yeah. I think I've like tried to block this out because it was such a crazy, like cringy, just like, you know, glad that no one was there. That no, I it's I mean, but it's, but it's the first, right? Like it's you the first. You'll never forget it. You'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of comics you'd be surprised, like want to forget the first, and oh, some sure. do by not remembering by drinking. But I couldn't, <laughs> didn't have that option. So, I um, there used to be this place in the Boston Mall called the Comedy Spot or like the Comedy Sports Zone or something like that, and it was like a improv sports place, and it was in the corner of the third floor by the movie theater, and. It, it was like the only mic that I could find that wasn't like a bar on a weekday. So I like was like, oh, I can definitely go because I'm I'm not 21. I'm 13. So I think I the I can't remember. I think the first one that I went to, I went up. I think I went and I was like, I'm not going to go up. But mm-hmm. I like wanted to see it. But then I think I was there and it was such a small amount of people there that they were like, are you here to do stand up? Like yeah. what's going on? And yeah, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And I was like, kind of shy. I remember, I think I was wearing like jeans and a plaid shirt and like Vans, like one of the, cause I thought that's like what comedians wore and like right. a hoodie. <laughs> I was where I had like the worst wardrobe when I was 13. Cause I was trying to dress like male comedians and they all ho- are horrible dressers. Like, and they I didn't are. realize oh it. Oh my God. They are. You're um, so right. Except for John Mulaney, best dressed. Except for John Mulaney. Yeah. Some of them are fun. Like, you know, some of them like know how to put together an outfit, but like the yeah. laziness of like jeans and a hoodie. Right. And like sneakers. But um, so yeah. And then I think I put my name on the list and I was, I think I went last. There were three people there. I remember that. There was three people there who like weren't comedians. Wow. I mean, like this place was, it was like grim. Like it was like yeah. a black box theater. Yeah. And it had like a couple people in there, but like comedians would stay outside to like wait to go up. And like, it was just a horrible mic. And like, I mean, it was one of those places where like people would go to like practice, but no one serious was really going. But like, also there were people there who were there. So I I went up and I did like, I don't know. I remember like some of the jokes I did. I remember this one joke I did that it was just really like blue and gross Mm-hmm. but it got a lot of laughs or got like some laughs because it was like so outrageous that it was like coming out of my mouth as a 13 year old or as a 13 as a 13 year old as a 13 year old girl like I right. think people were just like who you're like what are you doing <laughs> where are here? your parents yeah. there was like a lot of where are your parents and um I yeah did this really blue joke and then it got laughs and I like felt the like oh, oh my god that's yeah. so fun to do yeah. but I didn't like the joke and I think I stopped doing it as pretty soon after I started because I was like oh it's like I have to like play this line where like I want to make jokes about stuff that Louis C.K. makes jokes about but I can't right. do that you know right right 
Um, so I had to figure it out, but it was, I do remember it was in April. I was in eighth grade, which is wow. So when you're like, when you're doing that at 13, 14, 15, like, what are your parents' thoughts? Like, are they supportive? Are they (laughs) like, what are you doing? They were supportive. We had Liz Neely on the show, like a a way, way back, but she was doing stand up and she would actually like sneak out of the house to go do open mics in New York. So like, yeah. Their, her parents were like not so much until not you're like so 21 going I mean like obviously going to the clubs in New York City is a little bit different than the comedy yeah. clubs in DC, DC but yeah yeah but I mean yeah um they were t- they they were fine with it I so before I started I would go to shows like I would go to like professional shows right I actually met a lot of comedians like because I would sit in the front row so the week before I went up for my first time I went to an Amy Schumer show and I met mm-hmm. her and like it was like talk about like a where are your parents moment like I was sitting in the front row it's it's so embarrassing to (laughs) look back on but I was would go to these shows and I would get there like an hour early and I would sit there and I used to go to this there's a really cool venue in DC called Sixth and I it's this Mm -hmm. old synagogue or it might be still an operable synagogue but they have event they have like comedy shows and like events there yeah so I would go to and they had all these great people like Louis Black, Judah Friedlander, Amy Schumer like they've had really really good comedians so I would go, I'd get there early. Like at that point, the people at the venue would know me. It was like <laughs> a whole thing. And I would Metro there. And so I go to this Amy Schumer show and she's so blue. And yeah. at some point in her show, I think it was the beginning. She was like, hello? Like who? Because <laughs> I was sitting in the, I mean, I, and I can't imagine now like how annoying that must've been where like it was this 13 year old girl. I was sitting alone in the front right. row with all these people. And she's like, where are your parents? And then, um, I was like, ah, like, I want to be a comedian. And she was yeah. like, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, but, and then I met her afterwards and like, she actually still follows me on Instagram, which is kind of cool. That's sick. Yeah. I'm like waiting for my moment to be like, Hey, remember? Yeah. Cause then, yeah. and then like a week later, she was like, I guess there was an NPR interview where like, someone's like, Hey, remember when there was that girl at your show? And she was like, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So amazing. Yeah. So I would go to shows. So sorry, that's a long answer. No, that's a great story. I would go to comedy shows all the time. Yeah. So I think for a while I was just going to like, I just told my parents I was going to shows like I was going to a local show because at a certain point I went to a show. I can't remember who was the headliner, but there was like local guys that opened. And so I went up to them and I was like, hey, where do I go to do stand up? And that's they told me the Boston Mall. Um. And so then I was just like telling them I was going to like a local show and seeing these local guys and like whatever. And then I was just doing them. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know when I eventually told them, but they were like, cool. Like, yeah. that's awesome. Like, yeah. be very careful. Like my mom was like, huh, like nervous. Cause I was always metroing <laughs> there right. as she should be. Yeah. She's yeah. a responsible parent. That would be kind of bad if she was like, great, have fun. No <laughs> so, <yeah>. curfew. <laughs> um, and there was like one show that I would do at the Arlington draft house on Saturday nights that would happen at like midnight. That was like not Metro accessible that they would mm-hmm. dra- like pick me up from and like kind of wait. Cause it was kind of like a little bit sketchy. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, the Metro in DC, is- they, it stops at midnight. Right. Yeah, yeah yeah but it was also like yeah I know well I mean I wasn't I wasn't really out until midnight anyway because right. like I you know generally well and like I did some bar shows but like they would have me like out by 10 or something sure so sure um but yeah it was crazy I can't believe I did that it's like <laughs> insane like yeah wild. no I love it I love the the first story too like it's always like it was three yeah. people one was asleep or like something yeah. like that you know yeah. but and like yeah 
but I'm sure that that sensation of like, even though you, you hate the joke now, but like that first, like getting, a, no, yeah. even if it is one person getting a crowd to laugh, like, even when you tell jokes amongst your friends, like you're like, oh yeah, like got them yeah. to laugh. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh no. Yeah. I'm like a big chaser of, let me make you laugh. Yeah. And it's kind of, it kind of exhausting sometimes because like, if I'm with other comedians, I like can't cause everybody's doing that. Right. But when I'm like, like being on a team, like people can tell they told me like oh uh, they can tell when i'm like doing a bit or something because oh, like i like, like you're practicing. in a certain way yeah, yeah. but yeah, i mean yeah. it's not practicing it's more just like i know how to make people laugh in some situations so i will try really hard mm. but that can be kind of exhausting for other people too so and i gotta ask stop. i gotta ask like are your teammates coming to the shows and being like sitting in the front row because so, the reason why i ask is because i had a teacher in mm-hmm. high school at santa margarita that yeah. was a stand-up comedian he was on oh, last yeah. comic standing and like he would never tell us to come to his shows. Like he never publicized them right. in class, but mm-hmm. people can find it online. Yeah. So like, would you guys go? I, I didn't ever go and I regret mm-hmm. it to this day. But yeah. he told this story on this podcast that like this one year, like these seniors in his class would always like every day, they'd be like, we're coming to your show. We're coming to your show. We're coming to your show. Yeah. And like their last week of being a senior, they showed up and they all sat in the front row. And like, <sighs> he's a pretty clean comedian, but like, you know he'll whatever like yeah. he just he's just a stand-up comedian and like yeah. he's just like my students are here on the front row and he's like it was it was an awesome time like they had a great time but like I could just imagine being like oh my god yeah and so for you like are your teammates like they come and be like I'm sure they're yeah no the Georgetown like- the Georgetown team is super supportive they came to the first sustainable loss thing like yeah. a bunch of them came to the market a bunch of them came to the show and it was like amazing yeah um uh and they're super supportive and like always want to come um and I just kind of like it recently ish got okay with people seeing me like I used to not want people to ever see me like my parents have only seen me like a handful of times um and so like at Cal I did some stand-up before the pandemic and in like San Francisco and stuff and I like didn't want them to come because I was yeah. also like establishing myself like it's kind of hard to describe to people when you're like oh I'm I'm just constantly like getting reps like I'm not if it's a good show I'll tell you mm-hmm. and you kind of have to like trust that I'll tell you um but I had a couple teammates early on at Georgian who like really wanted to come so I let them come to like an okay show but they had a really good time but it's kind of a gamble of like are you gonna enjoy this like because it's not just me on the show it's like all these other people so I want to make sure it's like worthy of being like a good show or or, like a show where but yeah they they come and um I also have like other friends like um one of my really good friends just came to a show like last week because I like posted about it and he like showed up and it was like super nice. It's like always nice to know that there's like people who want to support you who are in yeah. your corner. Oh, 100%, 100%. So I stopped being weird about it. Cause I was like, it's awesome that people are like so willing to like give up their time to like come see me. Like that's crazy, you know? Totally. totally. So. so you had your first sustainable last event back about a month ago. Mm-hmm. You kind of touched on it at the beginning of the show, but how did like getting all this together how did it come about like where were you were you sitting in your georgetown apartment like <laughs> this is what i want to do this is the vision and it's all going to work perfectly um i think it started with i've been struggling to get on some shows in dc and like i think part of it is just being like i've been doing comedy in dc since i was 13 but i did leave to go to school in california and i would come back and i would do shows all the time like summer and winter like I would be here for like three months and I would get on all the shows and it would yeah. be great and then I would leave again and I took a pretty long break during the pandemic I didn't really do zoom shows I didn't really do outdoor shows I think a lot of people were struggling and yeah. I didn't really feel funny so I was like I'm just not gonna make jokes mm-hmm. and um 
So I was really excited to be back in DC and be like, oh, finally, I, I can be permanent, consistent, whatever. And then just kind of being like, oh, this is not as, which like always happens. You kind of get your heart, like hopes up and you're like, oh, I'm not like welcome back with open arms, which is, there's a combination of things. Like there's just a, so much talent in DC. Um, and there's also just because of COVID, like more talent than there are shows and spots. Yeah, like, right. I mean, and I have gotten on really good shows and gotten on some really like people have asked me to be on shows and it's been great, but there's just so many people. And like, mm-hmm. so, and DC is a very like, creator driven scene in terms of like comics produce shows and I've always wanted to produce a show but I've never just been able to like I've never been over 21 I've never been like here long enough so I was like I really want to start a show and there's a lot of really cool women run shows in DC like Momoha's and the living room show who are like run by women who like crush it yeah um and so it's kind of inspired by them and they have like really cool unique shows um and I also having been in California for a while went to a bunch of vintage markets and I just like love them and like mm. I want to go to one so I was like what if I just make this kind of a unique thing and like make it a collaborative thing I've also just gotten really into sustainable fashion and kind of trying to be more sustainable and like I think it's such a it's such a thing on the west coast like it's such a yeah. prevalent part of like yeah. just culture yeah that like here it's not as much of a thing and it's kind of like culture like it's it's an interesting difference so I wanted to kind of bring that and like still kind of keep that part of me here even though I'm not on the west coast um so yeah so then I just was like all right how do I do this yeah and I and I worked on it a lot before I like announced it that was kind of one of the hard parts was like convincing vendors to be like hey can you come to this I haven't posted about it so yeah yeah, or yeah, so I haven't hard. made an Instagram for it, but I promise it's going to be good. Yeah. So I secured a bunch of vendors and like met a bunch of, it's just all through Instagram, like all yeah. through like messaging on Instagram. I'm sure you like you just find Hello. people who follow people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. exactly. Like you just DM people. Yeah. And um, so I just DM'd like 40 vintage vendors and then like 15 of them or so were like, yes. And I did it like for free. Like they didn't have to like, it didn't cost them anything. Right. Cause I was like, this is my first one. And um, just had a connection to a venue that I could work with. And then was like, let's, and then I just tried to do all the things that I could Piece do. Piece the puzzle like, together, yeah. Yeah, like, and and it definitely was like a learning experience. There's definitely things in this one that I'm trying to do a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I just was like, let's just, I just want to do this. And it went really well. It was like, I was really nervous. But for the first one, it went well. I'm hoping this one is like, you know, gets even bigger kind of every time. Mm-hmm. The wintertime thing will be kind of tough because it's outside. So, or the market's outside and then the show's okay. inside. So like ideally what I really want is to like have a market where it's like, you know, it's like all a couple hours and then the show kind of happens and there's like kind of just, it would kind of happen to the last one where people come to the market and then people come to the market and then they stay for the comedy show or they come back for the comedy show and there's sort of this like merging of, cool groups of people and then there's a show yeah um so it doesn't in the winter time because the market like it's kind of it's kind of got to end at 5 30 because it gets dark out it gets dark it's colder yeah yeah, yeah 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 so this one will be a little bit different but yeah i'm kind of like open to also just what it could be and like how it can continue and um excited about it but it really just started with me being like how do i start a show so that i can try to get on more shows or just have more leverage um so no, that's yeah, awesome. See how, see how it goes. Yeah. Do you see a lot of crossover between the two scenes? Like, do you like do comedy goers 
go to vintage clothing markets? That's a good question. I don't really know the answer yet because I think this is like my second one. Right. I think like, yes, is yes. I think people who are like interested in vintage clothes also would be down for a comedy show or people who are like wanting to go to a comedy show would also be stoked to find out that there's a vintage market also happening. So I think there's definitely crossover. I think the interesting part that crosses over is like, there isn't a lot, but I think there should be more crossover between like comedians and vintage sellers. Like mm-hmm. there's been a little bit of connections between some vintage sellers and some people like DC is a small place. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because I think both comedians and vintage resellers, like you have to really put in time and effort in order to like cultivate your style in both yeah. areas and have to really like define who you are in order to succeed. And it's really interesting to me, like to have those two kind of like parallels happening at the same time, but in such different like industries i guess yeah. you could say yeah um absolutely. yeah so that's been kind of interesting and i'm like kind of wanting to see like i'm excited to sort of like bring that vibe and keep that going and like one of the one of the ways i'm trying to do it is like i've told the comedians i was like if you guys want to come to market it's free for you guys obviously and then the vendors i'm like if you want to save the show it's also free for you guys so it's right. like trying to you know and being like don't feel obligated because right. no one wants to like sit through a comedy show or have to show up early to their job for obligations of the booker but right. um but I think oh. it's cool and like my one of my friends who did the show last time Maddie Brandon she like bought some stuff at the market um and so that was like fun for me and a lot of the vendors stayed so I was yeah. like really stoked on it yeah that's awesome and you can get these male comedians better dressed with the vintage market oh my god yeah they need it I know my boyfriend <laughs> bought me my boyfriend my boyfriend's like he's he's a good dresser but he does kind of sometimes go into that like the hoodie and jeans um yeah and he I mean, bought a don't shirt we all yeah, yeah. Like- but I was I was selling some stuff because I sell I like I'm a reseller and um I like was selling some shirt and he like bought it and I was like oh no I think that's like a shirt from like Target that like <laughs> someone would like I think it was just like kind of in a bin or something or I don't yeah. know and he was he bought it and I was like you didn't even buy the real vintage thing like, uh- <laughs> it was so funny but that yeah, is he, he he's a good dresser though he's he's getting there yeah I I always do I think I do my best work in the fall with like mm. the layering and stuff but yeah it's, it can get tough you get into a little rut sometimes jeans in a or like i don't i don't think i own a pair of jeans but like pants in a, in a in yeah a, it's in tough a no it's definitely tough and yeah. like i feel that yeah i think the fall is is the way to go i know i like the layerings <laughs> too i know guys don't don't like i don't like when guys wear shorts so it's whoa okay so even in the summer in the no in the, i mean it's the, it's okay. fine but it's, okay. it's a funny it's like a comedian thing in me and it's because of this uh, booker in DC who like doesn't let comedians wear, wear shorts. shorts. I mean, like, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, I, I think it's more of like a professional thing. I mean, guys wearing shorts in general is fine. I just okay. meant like on stage or like comedians wearing shorts. It's like, it's gross. Okay. I get that. Okay. I get yeah. that. I was going to say yeah. it's hot and muggy in DC. Like, I, it like, does. It does. It, it, like, ugh, like, that's, that's technically the South. It's about the, the, oh, yeah. The North of Dixon the South. Line. But yeah, below mm-hmm. the Mason Dixon line. Okay. Per- perfect okay fair yeah that's fine because even up here in no, new it's england swampy. It gets, it the gets, swamp yeah even up here in new england the it gets literal humid. swamp yeah so yeah okay does boston get humid oh my god like you wouldn't believe wait yes it does okay i do have a memory of warm boston but nothing like i mean so like you like that's what people don't understand california it's hot but it's dry heat and everyone it's humid can, there's no humidity yeah there's no humidity it's fine it doesn't yeah. feel like weather then you come here and it's like 80 degrees i'll never forget i've yeah. told the story on the podcast but like when I first moved here, like mm-hmm. I follow the city of Boston on Instagram and they had right. a state of emergency, a state of heat emergency. And it was going to oh be like God. 84 degrees. I was, I was hysterically laughing. 
like I was looking, and then, I was like, what is this? This is a and joke. Then, and then mm. I walked outside and then I needed to shower immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I one time went to 4th of July in Boston when I was like a kid. Yeah. And I remember it being so hot. So miserable. That's so like, now I'm like, oh yeah, duh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, like so you touched a little bit on the DC comedy scene and truthfully, I didn't expect it to be as big as what you were saying it to be, but it makes sense. Like you're literally yeah. in the like the epicenter of every comedian's political jokes like you're right there you're in the backyard of the guy's house for for lack of a better term but like how do you rate it against like a new york city comedy scene or boston comedy scene or even an la comedy scene because yeah completely different than what what those scenes are used to i'm assuming yeah i mean i think the way that people would normally like tier them is like la and new york are first tier like comedy cities where like you can be there and you can be making a living doing stand-up and like that's you can consistently do that you're probably gonna be a little bit broke but especially new york like there's just so many rooms to do it and then there's like second tier cities which are like boston and dc and chicago yeah um Austin, Texas, San Francisco, like big cities where it's like there's a good scene where you can where comedians come out of there and they're strong. And I think that DC, in my very um non-objective opinion, subjective right. opinion, like right. is like that we are the best second tier city by far. And I think that there's a lot to back like back that up. We have a ton, I mean, there's so many comedians that are from DC. Dave Chappelle is from DC. Yeah. Um I'm like, no, I can't think of any more. But, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, a bunch of my friends who are in New York no. now. <laughs> Brittany Carney is like yeah. one of the best, I think, comedian who will be like a household name. Like, she's so funny. And she's in New York right now and she's like crushing it. And she's from DC. And like, um, you know, Tony Woods, who's like still in DC, who is like Dave Chappelle's like mentor. He's like yeah. in DC still. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really strong scene. And I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. But I think that um it's just there's I don't I don't know what it is there's a lot of transplants in DC so not all of the comedians are from DC but there's just like um you know there's a lot of good shows or there were a lot of good shows and so it just like is a like allows itself to then if you're in front of good audiences all the time you just become a better comedian um and there's also just like a competitive element to it where like it's so good that like if you're not good enough you're not going to survive basically and like you might not quit, but like, you're not going to do well. Like you have to be really good in order to do well. Um, so, I mean, I think right now there's just a huge, like, there's a lot of talent and there's not enough shows, but like, that's my opinion. I mean, I think that's anyone in DC would say that right now, but there's so many good comedians who I think will definitely make it who are in DC right now, who are like a year or two away from making the jump to New York or LA. Although, one of my friends, Donnie Steinbach, who is a really, really good comedian. Um, he actually be such a good guest because he's like, um, he has a stutter and he's like the funniest person. You've, he's the best, one of the best comedians I've ever mm-hmm. seen live. Um, he started in DC and then he went to New York. And then I think he moved before the pandemic or right after the pandemic started. He like moved to a Nashville. He's getting his, like, he's going to math, getting his master's or something. And now he's in Nashville and he's like, touring in like Huntsville and like Alabama like all these different locations all over the south and I saw him and he was like you actually don't he was like you actually don't need to be in New York anymore yeah to be doing stand-up because now it's like it's like with COVID like one of the good parts is that like you can now be from Nashville and be going all over the place or doing zoom shows or like you don't necessarily and he was like you don't need to be also paying a New York rent yeah because you're just going to New York to then be able to get out of New York and do shows all over the country so it's like he was like it kind of made more sense 
Sure. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but um, yeah, the DC scene's really good. Um, we used to have a really good place called the Big Hunt, which is closed because of COVID. But I think that there's some stuff in the works for it to be cut, like for like certain things to be announced. Um, but that it will make like kind of strengthen it again, and like more shows will pop up. So um, and like you know, there's one more show in town. It's sustainable laugh. So heck yeah, heck yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that like this is a this might be a dumb question? So bear with me here. I'm just not in. The, I'm not in the DC comedy scene. Do DC comedians stray away from pol- political jokes, or is it like way more political jokes than this the New York comedian? Um, I would probably say the same as New York comedians. I think DC comedians are smarter, but not necessarily more political. Like I think sure. DC crowds are really smart. That's so what I was it's gonna like, say. you gotta yeah. tread lightly almost. Yeah. yeah. There's also, I mean, DC as a city is very like liberal, but like right. there's also like every show is different where like you could be in a certain place and like the political leanings might be different. Or, that, that's you know. anywhere. I mean, like, yeah, if you that's go to Hunts, anywhere. Huntsville, you're going to be performing to a much different crowd than New York City. <laughs> right. But I mean, no, you I mean, like you could go to different parts of D.C. Right. And like it would right. be like you could be in one neighborhood and go a block away and it would just be it's like because it's so politically tied. So it's yeah. also depending on who's in office. But um, yep. I don't think that like I don't think that D.C. comedians are like explicitly like political all the time. They have political jokes, but there's nobody who's like, this is my jam. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, also like a lot of people, everybody, all, all the crowd people are like, maybe just came from work where that's all they heard Probably about. So politics. it's like, yeah, exactly. maybe that's like kind of, yeah. It's, and it's all anyone's the city is only kind of business. So it's sort of like, right. no one, people talk about it obviously, but it's like what they talk about from nine to five. And then you're like, don't want to talk about it from five. Don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. So do you have a dream place that you would want to perform stand-up in that's not DC? Uh, like a like a city? A city or even like a venue or yeah, we'll go um, city if you want. I would really, well, oh gosh, there's a lot of places in DC that I want to perform at because like yeah. it's kind of my home city. So I'm like, uh, I would really, it would be cool. I'd love to perform. I'm going to like give a list. No, go um, for it. I'd love to perform at like the Warner theater is really pretty. And I've seen like Seth Meyers there mm. and a lot of good comedians have been there. Um, also DAR constitution hall. That would be a really cool place to like film a special or something. And then also the Kennedy center is really cool. Yeah. Cause that's like Hello. the local. Yeah. Um, and then, and there actually are shows there sometimes. So that would be a really cool place to perform and, and comedians to perform there. Um, I'd love to really go anywhere for comedy. Like my dream is to be a touring comedian. Okay. Um, cause I love traveling and I love, like, it's kind of like the kind of hiking adventure side and like yeah. film photography side that I'm like, I want to go and, and like, and journalism part too. Um, and, but so I don't really know exactly where I'd want to go. I'd love to be able to go back to San Francisco and like perform there. Like that would be really cool. Um, to maybe do like the SF sketch fest um, yeah. or do a I'm show on to... the peak of grand Teton. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to like think of a cool place in the West. That would be really cool to go. Um, I mean, Austin, Texas, I've actually performed in Austin before and it was really cool. I'd love to like, I'd love to be like hired to do a show really yeah. anywhere. So yeah. if you're anywhere in the United States, 
and you want to pay me any amount of money to go and just pay for my like I'll just go I'll go heck yeah heck yeah plug yourself heck yeah plug myself but <laughs> yeah I don't know anywhere anywhere I really love I love yeah. that so your next event uh the next sustainable laughs is happening at the loop in Alexandria holiday market from 12 30 to 5 and a comedy show from 7 30 to who knows when uh but for <laughs> for my listeners that are in the Virginia area what can they expect from the sustainable laughs um okay we have a really really good i actually have a lineup right here we have a really really good lineup for the comedy show and a great lineup for the vintage vendors we have a lot of the same vendors um some new people too um they're still we're still actually taking applications for vendors so if you're also a vintage reseller in the virginia dmv area um there's like i think three spots left so um there's going to be like over 20 vendors uh food truck you know, great time. And then, um, we've got comedians who have been at the Kennedy center at the DC improv comedy central, all that good stuff. Um, Denise Taylor, Eddie Morrison, Sandy Benton, Christina day, Andrew bucket and Ramin Mustafi is like our lineup right now. I might add some more, but, um, that's like the cool part is I control the lineup. So (laughs) hosting your own Um, show, you get to do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's gonna, it's a, I mean, it's like, it's, and it's just, it's a stacked lineup. It's like some of the funniest people I know, you know? So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Great show. The show is gonna be really, really good. I think if I were like somebody who was like, which one should I go to? Which aspect, like the comedy show is going to be like, these people are going to be on TV. And so. would we see you on stage? This again, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I will also be Phew. on stage. Right. Yeah. I'll be performing. I know. I know that's almost like it's almost harder because you're like, oh, I know a lot of these people and like I'm running the event. So yeah. that was the part that I least liked last time was like yeah. doing stand up myself. But the event as a whole went really well. So it was, do you it was open? Fine. Do you go in the middle or do you close? I hosted last time because I also okay. don't get to experience like I don't get to host that often. Like I don't have that um, experience under my belt. So I was kind of like, oh, I want to host. But it's also kind of a like shitty job sometimes. Yeah. So I was like, ooh. Um, so this time I think I might make my boyfriend host. And I'm like, because yeah. <laughs> I hosted last time there and it's just hard. So. They, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Delegate. That's what that's what planning event is for. You delegate yeah exactly exactly <laughs> i was really good at that i learned i was like all right you guys do this you guys do this I'll, if, those, if everyone needs a job i can give you a job <laughs> go pick up this table and put it over there who's learned how was really bossy i love that that's awesome all right liza yeah. banks this has been an absolute blast i hope oh you God, had so much just as much fun as i did yeah. we do have one final question for you though that we ask all of our guests okay and you're not getting away with it so if you okay. were to write your autobiography today what would be the title of it and why oh no oh no it's a hard question um uh, today i don't think i would write my autobiography today i think my story is still being written uh, <laughs> but first time anyone's the ever said that worst thing i've ever said but it's okay oh, um <laughs> natasha bedingfield like unwritten yeah gotcha. yeah, yeah the yeah, rest yeah. is still unwritten. No. <laughs> um but i think that like eventually because i would like to eventually have a job where i get to combine all these really weird kind of niche interests of mine including like political journalism and journal and like news reporting in general so I think it would be like conflict of interest maybe something funny where it's like my funny persona and also my like news reporting persona and like wanting to stick to the facts but also wanting to make light of everything I don't know I feel like conflict of interest would be kind of that's a good one that is a good one of interest yeah I was gonna say because when I reached out to you and I saw vintage market meets comedian I was like conflict of interest 
conflict of interest yeah Boom. there's like there's that's kind of like the story of like a lot of the things I do is like how am I combining all of these different things that I'm interested in and how am I making them the same I'm like you know and like when somebody does like a re- book report on like a book they already want to read like that's that's the <laughs> definition of me I will do that all the time awesome awesome yeah well Liza Banks thank you again so much for coming on the show I hope thank you for everything goes me. well on the fourth and thank you. uh We'll, we'll, we'll have you back to report back, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow up, follow up. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> so a big thank you to Liza Banks Campania for coming on this week's show and sharing more about her story, more about her incredible comedy show, Sustainable Laughs. Like I said, if you are in the D.C., Alexandria, Virginia area, be sure to go check out her show happening on December 4th, The Vintage Market, The Comedy Show, both if you'd like all happening on December 4th. Go see Liza Banks and her friends go perform an amazing, amazing show. That does it for this week's episode. Again, a big, big thank you to you guys, the incredible listeners. As we have passed the Thanksgiving Day holiday, I have so much to be thankful for, and you guys are definitely one of those things. I can't thank you guys enough for enjoying this show and continuing to come along this journey with me. Uh, with all the different guests that we've had on, with all the different stories that we've heard, you guys have stuck around. So thank you guys so much. If you want to go get some Normal Guy Lazy Eye merch for the holiday season, be sure to head on over to our merch site. We just got some brand new quarter zips. I feel like in my mid-20s, quarter zips are one of the biggest fashion things that I get excited about. And I don't know if that's a sad realization that I'm having currently while recording this podcast or just, you know, a cool thing to do. But anyways, go check it out over at the merch store. Uh, you can check it out by clicking the link in the description of this podcast or heading over to our Instagram at normal guy lazy eye to find it there. But that does it for all my shameless plugs. I will see you all next week. <laughs>